Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Welcome to Satellite Sisters Interviews. I'm Leanne Dolan. Happy to be with you here today. This is a new series we're doing at Satellite Sisters. You might not get a lot of sisters, but you are going to get a lot of interviews with fascinating guests. So it's me holding down the fort today from Pasadena, California, and I'm looking forward to my conversation with a longtime Satellite Sister supporter, colleague, and just all-around friend of the show, Ian Punnett. For many years, Ian was a radio host. You know him from FM 107's uh, morning show that he did with his wife, Marjorie. But he was also on Coast to Coast, wildly successful show, overnight show, where he talked about everything from Kim Kardashian to Bigfoot. Um, But he is actually an ordained minister. And some career changes have forced him to kind of reexamine his life and what he's doing. And it's resulted in a really... I found it a spiritually uplifting and emotionally uplifting book called How to Pray When You're Pissed at God, or anyone else for that matter. Ian himself has been through a lot of challenges, and he's certainly had a lot of interaction with people who have also been through challenges. And I thought it would be fantastic to talk to him during this holiday season when everything is not always so merry and bright for everybody. I spoke to Ian from his home in Phoenix, Arizona. And if you're from Minneapolis and you're wondering, what is Ian doing in Phoenix? Yeah, we're going to get to the bottom of that. For information about Ian's books and how to follow Ian on Twitter, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com. Coming up, my conversation with Reverend Ian Punnett. I am so happy to be joined today by Reverend Ian Punnett. He is joining me from Phoenix, Arizona, which may uh, have... Which may make a few questions for longtime Ian Punnett fans. What are you uh, doing <laughs> in Phoenix, Arizona? Ian, what are you doing there? I don't. First of all, I question longtime Ian Punnett fans. <laughs> I think I think you really you meant transient. Uh, but uh, although it did occur to me that we have been friends for over a decade. I know that's really nice. I know I consider you a, a longtime colleague. Is that how I and friends? That, that so works for me. And yeah. I and I. There's always this little test whenever Satellite Sisters comes up. I always try to see if I can remember, like all of you, you know, Monica, Julie, Liz, of course, you. And then I'm always stuck on Shemp. I'm always stuck on that last one. Sheila. Sheila, right. (laughs) (laughs) For whatever reason, I I can't. That's one I always have to, like, sit and remember. So. Uh, it's such a pleasure being here. Thank you. Oh, so what are you doing in Phoenix, though? I understand, you know, you kind of have a new career. We'll talk a little bit about that, but you're back in school. Yes, I, I developed this really banging case of uh, tinnitus, which is um, a, a horribly annoying condition. I hate to compare it to to anything that sounds life-threatening, but it was definitely career-threatening. And I'm always mindful of the fact that, you know, there are people out there who have are struggling with life and death issues, and so tinnitus seems pretty minor by comparison. However, it is really chronic, and I get uh, a, a, a there's a ringing buzz in my head that I've had now for 
about four years. Oh. And it, it won't go away. And it keeps me up at night. And it uh, wakes me up in the morning. And it's annoying. And I'm doing everything I humanly can. I've tried a bunch of different therapies. And some have helped to kind of tone it down a little bit. But it's still there. And it's still the loudest noise I hear at any given time. So it meant I had to really stop a life of headphone wearing mm -hmm. and and to not be on the radio um, and to, to be a, uh, uh, find a new path to be able to use uh, some of these, uh, um, some of this knowledge I've gained over the years in communication. So I decided to go back and get my PhD, which I'm, I'm doing at the, the Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications. It's part of ASU, uh, but this school is in downtown Phoenix. So oh, oh, so you're getting your PhD in communication. I thought it was yeah. something related to ministry or uh, divinity or something. Well, good for you. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. It's, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I love the, the the Masters of Divinity, and I think it's been an important part, actually, of of some of the studies I've done so far. You know, there are certain things, homiletics and rhetoric, and some of these other things that you study in uh, seminary that are very helpful in communications in general. But I'm sort of I'm, I'm looking at communications in a broader sense, and uh, that's where this uh, journalism and mass com degree is taking me. Is um, we're going to talk about your book. I thought you would be really good to talk to this time of year. The holidays Thanks. can be different, difficult yes. for people going through all kinds of things. Your book is How to Pray When You're Pissed at God or anyone else for them, <laughs> for that matter, which includes, I think, um, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, um, it but, does. But it's funny how people have a hard time with anger and they think they don't have it. And most of the, many of the people who swear they're not angry at anybody are some of the people who are in deepest denial and it ends up manifesting, you know, in other ways. And so that that's why I put that in there, because it really does help to to address just anger in general, but specifically anger toward God. Well, first, let me say, though, Ian, it is a beautifully written book. Well, so that's nice of you. I hope that you are working on more stuff and maybe this, I mean, you're working on a thesis and maybe the work that you're doing there will, will you know, result in another book. But I was just very moved and laughed and some of the, the titles, the, yes. the some of the chapter headings made me laugh out loud. And then you have prayers and prayers, pages and pages of prayers, which are yes. unbelievable. I mean, it was quite a writing accomplishment beyond sort of a philosophical and emotional accomplishment for you. So congratulations. Well, it's no Helen of Pasadena. <laughs> well, for good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it really, it's funny because I, I'm, at the same time I'm finishing um, my book, I'm reading yours, and I think, God, you know, that is really, that is so, so cool. It's a novel. You create, you know, wonderful characters, and I thought that's very liberating. In a way, what I was working with, and I and I loved writing the book, and I thank you for all those kind words. What I was doing was I, I'm having to work in an area that I don't experience personally. You know, I don't. I am not angry at God. And you're I not not about the tinnitus. Well, we've had a few words. But, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. not. Um, it, it, I'm. You know, we all have a thorn on our side, and so this one's mine. And I, I. I I was really fun. I had a fun time doing what I did for many years on the radio, and I get to dabble like this from time to time. But it's—I had my 
you know, I had so many blessings there. I can't be mad about losing that. There's no guarantee that we get to have all of these things that we want forever and ever. So I, that that the idea of having to give up a career that was tricky and it was a speed bump, but it's not um, it's nothing to get too mad about. I think in the big scheme of things, at least the way I look at it. So I'm writing about things using other people's anger. And I'm, I'm interviewing people who are angry or people who have experienced that kind of anger and, and then gave them the opportunity to, to tell me what their prayers would be like and to try to find a way to be permissive and liberating for people to express that in a prayer. That no matter what anger they're feeling, that if we really do believe in an omniscient God, if we really believe that, that, that there's something divine that looks through our soul – then who are we fooling by not expressing it anyway? And once we start to express it, it has a tendency to go away. Well, you write in the book that you've really been a student of anger for quite a long time. Like this has been something that's interested you. So why did we start suppressing anger? Because you also note that, you know, one of the most famous lines of the Bible is a very angry line. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, So uh, why did we start suppressing anger on every level to God and to the other people in our lives? Well, and and that's the thing is, is that most religious traditions don't. Um, Oh, Christian traditions do, but the, the you know Judaism is quite comfortable with that conversation. They they're to, to be um, in in Judaism to be in a combative. Well, that's a combative sounds too strong, but to be in a real relationship with God, um, that's completely normal and and, and expected. Um, it, there's a, it gets a little more complicated in Islam. Um, but there is evidence for that. And there is, um, in, in many other traditions, they, the, the idea of having anger makes you human. It makes you, it just makes you part of the, the, uh, the divine plan in a way that this is something that we should experience. But in Christianity, it got all hung up on this idea of, of, of being better than that at all times, oh. at every second. And I don't think we're built for that. And and I don't want people to be angry, but the, the question is when you do have it, how do you get back to that place where you aren't? And that's where, unfortunately, I think in, in my Christian tradition, they, it do, they do a very poor job talking about how to process anger. And especially around the holidays where people get depressed, which is frequently anger turned inward – and around the holidays, they end up with all of this sort of you know balled up emotions that they can't quite settle. They can't they can't sort out. So you had a couple of experiences um, when you were in seminary school, correct? At a right. working at a rotation in a hospital that really changed your perception about this, especially one with the young boy who was facing oh, yeah. a life threatening illness. That was an incredibly moving chapter. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Ian? Sure. So you know, I I uh, for a lot of people. Um, I'll probably get emotional here thinking about this. For a lot of people, um, when you're getting an assignment in chaplaincy, when you're going through a hospital chaplain rotations where you're learning what's called pastoral care education, when you're going through PCE, uh, you know, you are assigned to a ward. And the one that people dread frequently the most is the pediatric ward, yeah. where you're you're with people who are just you know maybe in a process of losing a child um or a child who's gone through going through something which is so hard for them to try to 
uh, understand, and they're turning to the chaplain to help them through that. And I, for whatever, when I was given the uh, the pediatric unit, and in particular, it contains PICU, um, right? The pediatric intensive okay, care okay. unit. And the, the pediatric intensive care unit is just where a place where I, I just found so many wonderful examples of people who are trying to understand the divine and they were in crisis. Yeah. It's hard to imagine those two things, trying to understand the divine when you have a a really, really sick kid. I think that's the ultimate test of that. And they feel like I, I was a good person my whole life. I followed all the rules. I did all the things that the church told me I had to do. And and how can this be happening to me? This was supposed to be a, a force field around problems like this. And I don't understand. I feel singled out. You know, my sister didn't have a problem, they might say to me. And, you know, her children are all fine. And you should know what she was up to. You know, I mean, there's these people start to equate. Like, <laughs> right? Right. They do it all the yeah. time. With what you did with high school with the health of your child. Right. I can see. Exactly. I can see. You're not rational. Right. And and so that's something where, you know, and then, then you have the child, it's, you know, him herself that are sorting that out. And in this case, it was a boy um, who moved me very much, who um, whose mother was intent on using me as leverage to get her son to have faith again. Yeah. The boy was about 11 and he had had it. Um, he had an extremely um, aggressive uh, form of a disease, which doesn't usually result in death. Um, but it was in his case. And it was, it meant that every day he had to be stabbed with many needles and, you know, blood withdrawn and things ejected. And he was just over it. And, and he certainly just couldn't get around this idea somehow that he was supposed to say thank you to God, especially because he felt abandoned by his own father who had left the family and was living on the streets and and so here were all these prayers about father this and father that and he he had a father problem right <laughs> and and um and so working with him through that meant isolating just what you had mentioned earlier the first line of the 22nd psalm which is my god my god why have you forsaken me but in the bible it appears in aramaic which is really interesting because aramaic was is the spoken version of of Hebrew, Aramaic is a version of, of Hebrew. It's, it's not formal in the same way that we would think of uh, Hebrew as being what was read in the synagogues. And it was the language that Jesus spoke. And so right there, that the idea that they have preserved for years in in Bibles, the fact that Jesus said it in Aramaic and they quoted him word for word, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Um, and the that line um, is what I taught him to say every time he got stabbed by a needle, every time he was going through something, is to express, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is I love way. that image. I mean, it just was yeah. so powerful to read that. Like, he just he had something to say. You he know, you gave him something to say when he was so, so mad. And it, like any 11-year-old, it, it also mattered to him that it was like a code because yeah. it wasn't in English. <laughs> and his mother didn't know what he was saying. Which is, really, very clever, Ian. Yeah, it was very cool for him. And then he forgot it. 
and he was in a panic because he couldn't remember what the line was. And so a couple, I'd been back at school for a couple of days and I hadn't been on rotation. And when I came back on, there was this very important message that I see that boy. And so I wrote it out for him again. And he, um, and he said it while in my presence, he said it as a nurse was drawing blood out and he said it under his, he said it very clearly as she was putting that needle in again. And as the nurse walked away, I heard her say, I am so tired of hearing that. <laughs> I love, and he laughed, and, and it, it it helps. I think it helps. you know, you know, you you mentioned that. Um, uh, what was it? you me- you mentioned a lot in the book that what we need to be with God is honest. When did when did we get hung up on not being honest on sort yeah. of covering up things that yeah. expressing this anger that you might feel for your circumstances is just really being honest with the person that you have a really important relationship with? Well, think about like everybody you know, right? And that some people they're perfectly good with talking openly about who they are and what's going on with them, and then something happens, and suddenly now they become so much more interested in image than truth, and so. You know, instead of talking about, oh, my God, my kid tanked a final last night and we're in so much trouble, um, he, that person will start to say, you know, in the carpool line or, or you know, sitting next to each other at a swimming event, we'll just start to give the PR version of life. And, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, right, and, right. And so now they're managing the family news. And I think that's what happens a lot with us as humans is the, the desire to, to be perceived as better than what we are. And that's what starts the cover up. Um, and especially when you're around other people in a faith group, I think there's a – for some, there's a psychological tendency to, be, to want to be superior. And that starts with the denial of things which are pretty obvious to everybody else. Um, but to them, it's very important. It's like living life in the Christmas letter, right? In the right. holiday newsletter from the family. Right. <laughs> and that's every day. Like. That's my life every day. Every right. day, Ian. <laughs> and that's what, I think that's, that's the suppression. And that's what, especially around the holidays, it forces a, a kind of cognitive dissonance, right? Where people are you know they're they're putting on a big smile and they're wearing the 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 christmas sweaters or whatever but they they don't feel it mm-hmm. and in fact inside they feel this great pressure to be it and that pressure only gets worse when they can't get real with what they're going through and how does the prayer help then? Like, how do they even start? You're listening. Someone's listening now, and they're really mad. They they have a life-threatening illness. They've lost their job this year. They've gotten a divorce, and it's been brutal. Uh, you know, how do they even start to express the anger? You've given yeah. incredible po- uh, incredible prayers in the back of the book, so that I appreciate. But how would you advise them to just start the conversation with God? There's no rules. There are no rules. There you go, right? It, it, it starts with, with an understanding that stop trying to pray like things you've read. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't Make have to pray there. an iambic pentameter or anything like exactly. that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this is, you know, pray using every word you want to say exactly. And, and I, I spend a little time in, the, in How to Pray When You're Pissed at God talking about the um the amount of vulgarity that exists in the bible yeah that's and, just kind of fun to read good because it should be liberating because you know people kind of feel like they're supposed to talk like they live in biblical times well <laughs> biblical times were pretty damn earthy you know it wasn't it wasn't what we think it was and 
the the truth of it is, is you've got something to say, say it exactly the way you want to say it. God has heard worse. <laughs> so just start there. Just put it 100% exactly what you want to say out there or on a piece of paper. And, and you'd be surprised maybe at what you might come up with. But then take time every day to sit with that. And that may be the turning point for a lot of people in their anger. It's just feeling better about being angry instead of feeling guilty about being angry. You know, and you write in the book that God can take it. God can take our anger, right? We can be as honest with him as we want. Well, and and, and if you think you're angry, imagine the prayers God heard during the Holocaust. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And and this is where you fe- you have to feel liberated to say whatever it is you want to say. If you really believe in God, then God already knows you are feeling it. You might as well say it and say it with you know to the depth of everything you feel like you need to say, and and put it all out there a hundred percent. Let God know exactly what you're feeling and how you're feeling about it. You know the things that are happening in your life, and and once you do that, you may not be able to change those circumstances through prayer, but you will change the way you feel about it. And to me, that's that's the victory. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. You change the way you feel about it. I mean, have you seen that in your oh, in God. your work? Sure. And this is the beautiful thing about years as a, I'm kind of a part-time pastor. So right. I served as a, as, as a deacon in churches over the last 10 years. And I am often on call um, on pastoral call duty, so when there's a problem with a parishioner, I'll get the call. Um, and I and I, I spend a lot of time visiting people in hospitals, and this is where this is where ministry really lives to me. I mean, it's it's beyond the pretty speeches of church and and the lovely hymns and all the things that people do when they're gathering together in worship of any type. There are doubts, and I always think of those doubts in terms of ceiling tile. You know, like that bad industrial ceiling tile, because invariably that's where people—that's what they're looking at, right? Sorting out what what just happened, and so whether they're at the office or whether they're they're in a hospital somewhere, they're they're looking up and they're just saying this is so wrong, and and this is where you know being with people in that pain and 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 trying to encourage them to put that into words, and then you know to bless that anger, which is that next step. Which is that this is you you have every right to feel this way, you may not feel it tomorrow, uh, but let's let's ritualize what you're going through let's take a time to think about this as a passage, and that there is another side to this, and you're going to stay in connection with the divine all the way through um, and you, you write down these feelings, and by the end of it, uh, you look back and you realize well I, I kind of wrote like a little mini chapter of the Bible. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's a Bible story in a way, but it's just written smaller. Ian, what do you guys do for the holidays? What do you what do you do over the course of this next month? You know, as a family, I know you're all sort of living separately now because you're in school one place. Your lovely wife, Marjorie's still on the air in Minnesota. Your kids, I guess, are in Chicago. How do you guys all come together? They're both in college at the same place, which is nice. That is nice. Good work. Uh, Thank you. Um, So. What uh, I here's you know this is I'm I, I faith has always been an important part of my life. It is not as important a part in the rest of the life of my family. Although everybody has their way of talking or doing things, the we go to ch- they, the when the kids come to church, it's a, as a favor to dad, and so this is my annual favor. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and my wife, Marjorie, loves the that annual connection to her Catholic childhood. And so she likes all the smells and bells of a good Christmas service. Um, but so for us, just being together, it's just being together. And it's it's sort of like a church in the wild. You know, we are, uh, for better or for worse, as a family, we're like cats. When we get together, we just all sleep on top of each other. We just spend all the time in such close proximity um, this, which can be problematic for teenage boys, but um, we get past that. And and the and that's what we do for the holidays. We just kind of soak up the energy of being together again and try to store as much of that as we can to head back to our our respective places. You know, I was interested to read that you meditate. How how is that? You know, how how have you learned that practice? Right. So I power meditate. Which is also another thing. I, I I try to meditate many times in very short span. So I have these things that I have habituated. For example, well, it's the hip me. thing to meditate now. You understand that, right? You're oh, on yeah. the cutting edge. You and George Stephanopoulos, you're you're <laughs> meditating. Well, and and I think many people do it properly in the sense that they spend a much longer time doing it every yeah. day. I do some long for meditation, but I also do these things where I I don't know whether I like hypnotize myself. But when I, as soon as the elevator door closes, yeah. I I meditate. Um, and no matter where, I, so I can end up. I just love I love those little prayer chambers that some people say are uh, are elevators that take you to different floors. I just like that feeling when they kind of close in, and I take a moment. And and so I I meditate um, a lot about just emptying myself of thoughts about what I think my life should be like. And focus much more on am I following the directed footpath that God put out for me? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I try to use meditation as a way of just kind of tuning the receiver as opposed to uh, turning up the transmitter. And I, I think that receiving the still small voice of God, um, if we the more we can do that, the less we have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, telling God what God should be doing next. Can I um, can I add a request for your next book? If you if there's a how to pray when you're pissed at God too, sure. Look here, because I, I really enjoyed the uh, the prayer about getting cut off in traffic. That yeah. one I'm going to memorize. You know how many people have commented? It's the one prayer that people. So I would say it's like the number one prayer that people mention, and it's exactly right. And so there's prayers for all these very things that people had told me about, and I wrote them down, or things that they. They would tell me, oh, I am so mad. And I would say, well, tell me about that. And they would give me that information and I would write it all down and then I would put it in the form of a prayer and I'd give it back to them. And I'd say, okay, here you go. This is, is this what you were thinking? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I want to say. So that prayer for people, for those cut off in traffic, um, it's just one, one way of, I think, of expressing just uh, uh, the, these little petty things that sometimes we can allow to fester and disconnect us, or we can use it as an opportunity to be self-reflective and connective to the divine, even in traffic. Okay, well, I need one for waiting in line at the grocery store. So <laughs> that, because I'm a festerer, and I yeah. am cutting myself off, apparently. And I, I need, I think, something just to remind me at the grocery store that this is not a life or death situation. Yeah, like the like the person in the line at Safeway last night who um, was in the twenty or under line and had forty three items. Not that I'm counting, but it was 
it was one of those moments where all five of us standing behind this guy going, okay, really? I mean, come on. You didn't even, that wasn't even, you're, you, if you get 22, who cares? 25 even. But f- you, you had to know you were way over 20. But the rest of us who had like, you know, a pair. Standing there <laughs> See, waiting. we all need that prayer, Ian Punnett. So get <laughs> on it. <laughs> exactly. So, well, I just thank you for being with me today. I know well, you've had a busy semester at work. And uh, has it been exciting to have the book? out? Have you had some unexpected conversations with people since it came out, Ian? The thing I've loved, I'm so thankful you mentioned that. I have been gratified by the amount of people who have been through recovery who have connected with this book because so much of abuse of chemicals and, and, uh, you know, just kind of self-abusive lifestyles have to do with inner anger. And and, and that 12-step program isolates that. And so this book is very well received by people who were in recovery. And I, that part, I just, I hadn't really thought about that Mm. beforehand. So I was, that, that made me, uh, that, that felt very much like there was a divine hand in many of those prayers that went in that book that people um, can relate to. And I was grateful for that. Well, what a wonderful gift to you. You know, what a wonderful gift to you. Yes. And, and so I'm not sure. I mean, I kind of like, I really love Elizabeth, the first wife, that yeah. was the second book. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I think of you all the time because I really love what you're doing. And I, and I, and I think, you know, what would be the follow-up book for this? And I'm trying to, I was trying to think, you know, how do you even launch like a chicken soup franchise out of this? And you can't really. <laughs> and really, would you? <laughs> and would you want to, right? And have like little kid versions of these, you know, and have like, right, the, the how to prayer when you're pissed at God for the, and then you have like subcategories, you know. You know, and, I just would include a dog in your next title. That's it's how to pray. For your dog when you're pissed at God. You're or, pissed at your God. You know. Dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. That, well, that that's what I'll, I'll start thinking about that. See yeah. what I can come up with. Scant mentions of dogs in the Bible, however. So I may have to go find some. <laughs> it seems, seems to be the key to extending your franchise and selling things. Put you a know, dog or a cat in it. So that's, that's what point. I've learned. <laughs> that's a good point. Very good. All right. It has been my pleasure to talk to Ian Punnett today. I, of course, will put all the information about Ian's stuff on SatelliteSisters.com. Ian, good luck with the rest of... Uh, I, I hope the grades come in for you, basically. You. I hope you did well at school, Thank and we'll talk you. to you soon. Okay, and uh, love to all the sisters. Thank you. I will let them know. Literally wonderful to hear Ian's voice again, isn't it? I know those of you who miss him on the radio will find a lot of that familiar Ian Punnett wisdom in his book, How to Pray When You're Pissed at God. Uh, It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or your indie bookstore. Just ask for it by name. And Ian wanted me to remind you that you can also find him on Twitter, at Deacon Punnett, at Deacon Punnett. Thanks so much for joining us, Satellite Sisters Interviews. For more information, go to SatelliteSisters.com. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.